This is a Her Camera podcast brought to you by Newcast. Welcome to the Canberrans. We are a show and a podcast made proudly in Canberra on the topic of Canberra and brought to you by the teams at Newcast and Her Canberra and shot in the Lonsdale Street studios. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Stephen Byron, who is the Managing Director of Canberra Airport. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Emma. Now, it has been an enormously challenging year for you, and I'm sure you've done more media this year than at any other stage of your career. Before we get into the um, catastrophic conditions of, of running an airport in COVID, um, I just wanted to set the scene, find out a little bit more about you, your connection to the city, where you grew up, how you ended up um, at the Canberra airport. You're a lawyer by trade. I did law at the ANU, yes. Yeah. yeah. So educated in Canberra? Yeah, I started at Forest Primary and then went to Canberra Grammar School and then um, without a break, everyone has a, a gap year these days, but uh, not so many of us did then. And I went to the ANU and did commerce law for five years. Mm. Now, you work with your dad, your stepdad, Terry Snow, who is um, a very successful businessman, a philanthropist. Was it by design or um, not that you came to be working with him? Did you always intend to? I think I probably always was going to work with him. I enjoyed um, seeing what he was working on when I was younger. And... um, yeah, so it was, it was great to come back to Canberra after a s- small stint away in Sydney working as a lawyer for six months. Mm-hmm. And um, no, I mean, Dad, he's a wonderful father. He's uh, my best mate and uh, we enjoy doing the work that we do together. Yeah. Before we talk about the dumpster fire that has been 2020, um, I want to know um, what you love about Canberra. Obviously, six months in Sydney wasn't enough to um, to drag you away. <laughs> You've um, enjoyed living and working here. Yeah, I mean it's a, it is a fantastic uh, place to live, and I think it is very much its livability. I enjoy riding my bike or going to the gym in the mornings. I enjoy it being easy and quick to get around, so you can fit a lot of life into living in Canberra, and that mm. can be. A sort of a fast-paced, yeah. you know, business and social life, or it can also be a healthy and relaxing and outdoors life and reflective life, um, and you can fit all of that in um, and do it so well and so easily in the city. Um, the last ten years has seen a bit of a renaissance <clears throat> in Canberra. How do you think it's changed as a city, and um, what have been the what have been the the really great success points of Canberra in that time? Well, in some ways, we grew up in the first 10 years of 20 years ago and I think in the last 10 years we've really been putting the cream on the top of the cake if you like and and also others outside of Canberra have found out about us. Um, I think social media has played a massive role there because people have been able to see Canberra for what it really is as a place to live and, and be in rather than the place that brings you the budget and tax increases and and university funding cuts. Um, so that that filter uh, that we used to have, people now understand how great we are. But we've also become a society of, I think, entrepreneurs and business people have invested in building this city. Um, and while some have built larger buildings, uh, really the fabric has been built by small business people 
delivering services and offerings and fresh produce and the like to so many of our citizens and also our tourists. Mm. Now, you uh, you have helped transform the Canberra airport. Um, in the late 90s, it was a bit of a tin shed. Um, mm. I remember it well. It was rather uninspiring. Um, what sort of a business proposition was it um, for you? Was it something that you felt passionately? I mean, once you've got a good airport, it sort of can flow on for a city from there. Yeah, I think sort of during the process of buying the airport from the federal government in late 97 into May 1998, I think we realised not just the business opportunity, but the important role that an airport plays to a city. It's, it's, it's transport, it's the key transport link um, with air and it's also the welcoming... Yeah, uh, public face of a yeah, city. Yeah, public face yeah. of a city. And, and, of course, I think that's what uh, Terry recognised and didn't want us to be just a sheep paddock with a tin shed and wanted us to have something that was fitting not just of our city that we love but also of our country's national capital. And I think that is something else that's been very important to him and to us. Um, and, of course, that was always that aspiration to deliver international services and to do that, we had to have a terminal facility that befitted uh, the operation of international aircraft into our country's national mm. capital. Now, it was a huge job, wasn't it? It, it certainly was. <laughs> yeah. Looking back, what were some of the greatest challenges that perhaps you um, you weren't imagining would, uh, would rise up and hit you in the face? Well, clearly 9-11 um, with terrorism and ANSET's collapse, which... Was going to happen anyway. Way. It yeah. happened sort of the Monday before the Monday night of yeah. the planes going to the building. I don't think either of those were on our business plan. <laughs> and um, you know, it's amazing. We used to talk about how tough it was losing um, forty-six percent of our business overnight. Um, but it's interesting in reflection. Um, much of that business came back, even in the the weeks after nine eleven. Um, those people that did want to travel, they did travel. They were confident and they were safe. And Qantas, you know, grew their position, Virgin grew their position. And it was amazing that it took a year, it seemed a huge amount of time to get back to where we were, but it was only 12 months and we, we kicked on from there. Mm, I guess um, that's a good segue to now talk about COVID. Um, tell us how did it affect uh, the airport in the very, very sort of starting weeks and where are we at now? Well, I think the key thing at the very beginning when, you know, it was so uncertain what impact it would have on our country and we saw what happened in Italy particularly and then it started to unfold in the UK and the US is we had to be safe and we wanted to be safe. And for us, the first thing was to make our staff safe and to make sure that our operations were safe. And so we were very quick to deploy temperature testing in the terminal. Um, we know that doesn't uh, pick up COVID but it does uh, pick up quite a number of in the indicator of having a temperature, which is certainly a factor. Um, but we sent a, a lot of our staff to work from home before that became commonplace. We set up a second office um, in the Majura Park, uh, separate to our main office in the terminal. And so we, we set ourselves up for business continuity because we knew we had to train for if we had a COVID case amongst our staff, we, we had a test run of that um, twice. We knew we had to keep the airport operational. Um, and so that was really the beginning stages of all of that. And then we went to that sort of twilight relaxed zone of being at home and you know what, it was pretty okay, wasn't it? Yeah. We got by at home and it didn't go out of control. And what we learned is that uh, Canberra did not have community transmission. 
we were safe as a city and we got ourselves ready by the end of April for the restart of aviation. And um, that's what we've been working on since uh, really about the 28th of April. You're running at about how much capacity? Uh, about 3% of capacity. Mm. So, um, so, we're, so we're sort of, um, you know, obviously we're set back with uh, Melbourne and then uh, with the closure of the borders to Queensland. We'd got ourselves up to about 7 or 8% of capacity and so it sort of collapsed again for a second. Our second wave is a, is a diminution of cases, yeah. <laughs> as it were. What would you like to see the federal government <clears throat> do? Well, I think one of their roles is to look at the international position and um, New Zealand has been uh, very controlled and well managed. The whole of the South Island's not had it now for five and a half months. Um, Auckland had that second outbreak, but it was very, very well controlled. So really it is for the Australian government, I think, to open our borders to New Zealand. It, it's, it's safe. The medical advice is that it is safe and there's no need for quarantine. Um, the benefit of that is that Australians and New Zealanders from New Zealand could come here to Australia and then in due course that allows the Ardern government there to make their decision independently in their own way and no doubt after their election in the middle of October to open up. Now you said that um, after September 11 there was quite a, a good bounce back of confidence and that people were willing to travel. What, what is your um, take on travel, you know, in six months, a year, two years' time, do you feel that it will bounce back or is it up in the air still? I think there's massive pent-up demand. Um, it's, it's, you know, gosh, don't we need a holiday? Um, yeah. But it's also there are so many people that want to connect with family, yeah. um, you know, certainly good friends but especially family. There are, you know, there's a massive proportion of our community that needs to connect with other members of their family in other states. That is pent-up demand. And I think people are very confident now about flying. I think that uh, given that COVID came into the country by air, there was concern that, that you know, that air travel was dangerous. Mm. But what we've learnt is that air travel is not a place of uh, a high likelihood of transmission. There's been not a single yeah. case of transmission on an aircraft in Australia, despite people with COVID unknowingly travel, yeah. travelling, but the contact tracing and identification of the people in the seats around has not detected a single case. Yeah. Um, of course, there could still be some risk, but I think people will be confident in the safety of travel. I think there's huge pent-up demand, so that bodes very well. The one um, caveat, I think, is that a lot of travel by air is for business and for business reasons, um, and that will be very, very low. And it'll be low not, not so much because people love Zoom, I think people are pretty over Zoom, yeah. but because in Sydney and Melbourne and, and even Brisbane, not many people are back in the office. So it's very difficult to do a day of business in Sydney and have a schedule of meetings and operate that way. So we can't give Zoom away and travel a little bit for business until people move back to the office. And, and I think that's going to be very gradual uh, during the course of next year. Will you be able to stay afloat though and, and maintain your capacity while we wait? Yes, we can. Um, as an airport, we made the decision really after ANSETS collapsed to diversify our business, to develop business parks and also the shopping centre areas that are income streams totally independent of aviation. We, we always worried about airlines going broke. Um, we didn't realise that everything would stop and so it would be like having all the airlines going broke or at, at least once. not operating. Yeah. Um, but 
they are carrying and supporting the business now and, and certainly we've had some tough decisions with some staff who work in the aviation area, very, very tough. Um, but as a business, we've got the capability to sustain ourselves in an ongoing sense. Um, we certainly hope that this doesn't continue for two or three years like this, but the yeah. reality is the business parks and the diversification that the airport has taken is keeping it in a financially sound position mm. and able to be ready for the next steps. Yeah. I am very reluctant to be thinking about overseas travel. Do you think that's going to take a more sustained hit? And do we have enough domestic travel to kind of offset that as an economic driver? In an overall macro sense, um, it doesn't replace it. Um, and, you know, I certainly understand it's very different travelling to Queensland where there's essentially no cases or travelling to Sydney where there's a, a half dozen at most. Um, and it's been managed to travelling to other countries. But, but I think over time, as we come to grips with our situation and the normality of travelling with some cases around, because that is going to be the norm, there will be cases and mm. there'll probably be cases in Canberra from time to time over the next six to 12 months, even when we have a vaccine. Yeah. As we come to terms with the logic of that, we'll get comfortable with the idea of flying to Singapore and to Japan, um, to countries that have very low levels of COVID and places that, where it's very well managed like us. We've lost our Singapore Airlines flights though. Well, they're just, you know, they're Suspended. just deferred for now. Yeah. Um, the reality is, is Singapore as an airline is uh, flying 8% of its total yeah. world capacity. Um, they'll start flying back to Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne um, once the vaccine is rolled out around the world. And then once those flights fill up and activity comes back, I think in a post-vaccine world, there'll, there will be a snapback in a post-vaccine yeah. world and we'll see travel and we'll see that aircraft back coming to Canberra. I hope so. The Canberrans video series and podcast is produced at the Lonsdale Street Studio, Canberra's only dedicated studio space for video production, photography and podcasting. Bookings are available online at lonsdalestreetstudio.com or by calling 61714144. to get those international flights because her Canberra took a group last year to Singapore and I just felt as a as a Canberra lifer, just felt we'd made it. We had an international terminal. We got on a plane that went straight overseas. It was really, you know, yeah. it was really special. Yeah. A lot of all of that experience was very special. Um, the 19th of September 2016 was, yeah. was when it all started and for it to be so successful for them to move to a daily flight the quickest they've ever done for a new route was absolutely yeah. fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's um, great to be able to, it was great to be able to go to Singapore. And, you know, that'll come back. This is just a question of time. And, and while we're in the middle of the, the storm, Crisis, it's yeah. very difficult to see more than two to four weeks ahead. It's very different, difficult to see beyond Christmas. But there will be a time, and I think people are very confident in the reality of the vaccine, the question of when. Um, is certainly up for grabs. But I think as we move into next year, we'll see 
have a much better feel for that. Mm. How personally bruising has it been to be <clears throat> operating a business that really is on the front line of um, the economic impact of a global pandemic? Have you had many sleep? I can only imagine you've had many sleepless nights and you've had to lose staff and, you know, it's a, it's a family-run business. How, how has it impacted you personally? Um, yeah, quite a bit. I think mainly in that way with the people bit. Um, yeah. So the hard work of, of 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 really trying so hard to open up and restart aviation for it to, to have taken so long for the borders to only just reopen by the 10th of July and we'd been busting our gut for, you know, six weeks before that and it was so late and slow that the fact that then the next wave came into Melbourne meant that people were very, very reactive and I think if we'd have been open earlier for longer... Um, people would have had confidence to leave the borders open. Um, mm. But but it's not about the economics. I mean, economics is nothing. Um, business ref- revenue by itself is nothing and meaningless. It's about the people um, and the people that are at home with very limited futures. Is, yeah. Tricky. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> How's your dad feeling about it all? Oh, it's certainly not something that was on his radar of the way it would be and... and um, you know, mum and dad, like many people of their age, you know, has grappled with the, the 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 unfairness of it coming mainly at them in certainly a risk sense in the early days and, and not really wanting to bunker down. Um, so, you know, as families, you have those discussions. Yeah. But, um, no, they're going pretty well. I mean, they're optimistic about the ability of the this city and, and this country to bounce back. Um it had just, you know, I mean, and so much of our life has bounced back quite well. Um, the trick is to add in aviation to be part of yeah. that in an appropriate and safe way. And I think that maturity will come. Um, we are all learning how to how to handle the Negotiate. virus and the risk and we're yeah. all ha- learning how to handle the restart of the economy to look after people. Mm. So this interview was originally going to be far less focused on um, the airport are more focused on your aspirations for the city because your family is, you know, has a very strong connection, <clears throat> a very strong investment, a very strong passion for Canberra. Um, just in terms of COVID, do you think um, what where's Canberra going to be, you know, in a couple of years' time? Have we avoided the worst of it? <clears throat> what do you...? Well, I think Canberra, you know, has got... COVID and the economic consequence of it will dominate our city for the next couple of years. But we're the luckiest city in the world. Um, And so I think that's the way it will play out. So the opportunity is there to continue to grow our city. The challenge is to, to, you know, it's going to be a bit less growth. But we've got to keep making it that high quality growth that's that's interesting, that delivers a great livable experience, you know, in a in an as affordable way as possible. Um, so we're going to keep growing this city over the next three and five years as we sort of come to grips with acknowledging some things can't mm. be afforded, some things can't happen. But obviously the number one priority is getting people back into employment and I think yeah. our tourism sector is so critical there. There are so many young people that are going to need to go properly back to work in our restaurants and our cafes and our hotels um, and that provides an income for them to, you know, find their career, um, whether it's in hospitality or, or whether it's a part-time job and they're at university doing something else. So this job job 
piece is going to be critical yeah. to the sort of city and community that we're going to evolve into over the next three to five years. Mm. Now, we've already discussed um, <clears throat> our deep-seated desire to flee to Queensland. What can Canberra do to capitalise on the fact that it is um, in its own sort of little bubble? It's still going, you know, it's it's a safe city. It's, it's still got, I mean, Melbourne at the moment is like a ghost town and I dread to think how it's going to rebuild. Canberra sort of survived, survived the war so far. What can we do to get, I mean, does the ACT government need to launch a massive come to Canberra campaign? What, how do you, we? You know, I think we've got to keep inventing our product. It's, 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 you know, marketing can only do so much and it's important. But I think people understand that Canberra is a safe city and that will be a huge attraction. Mm. Um and I think it's the sorts of holidays that people are going to look for are not going to be the CBD experience in Sydney or Melbourne. Um, they are going to want a more of a regional sort of experience yeah. and yet you can get a high-quality city experience that is safe in Canberra. So I think we're going to be very attractive. Um, you know, w we can never be a Queensland's sunny beach uh, resort experience, but we can be a very, very good place to have a nice, relaxing holiday and in comfort. And if anything, I think that's what the country is going to be interested in, getting out, getting somewhere and exploring at our and own where? pace with, yeah. with, with a bit of a break. Yeah. So if you had a busload of or, an, or a plane load of tourists arrive tomorrow, what would be the sort of things that you'd encourage them to do in Canberra? What are your favourite sort of, I know you obviously love bike riding and nature, but what are some of the um, more cosmopolitan pursuits that you would be recommending? Oh, maybe I'm not so cosmopolitan, but, you know, I mean, the walk around the lake, I mean, people to see our city should understand Mount Pleasant. It's not well understood. Um, I've taken the opportunity to walk uh, between Mount Ainsley and Mount Majura. So the vistas of our city are absolutely tremendous. And, you know, once you've earned your exercise and burned those <laughs> calories off, then you can, um, you know, whether you have a hamburger at Capital Brewing or whether you, you come here into Lonsdale Street, um, there is an opportunity to enjoy and sit back and, and have a glass of wine or a beer and enjoy some great food. Um, it is all over our city. It is interspersed in our suburbs. Um, so so I think that's sort of part of what our life is. Yeah, we just need other people to get here. Yeah, but the, I think they will come. You know what, there's a lot of people up there who do want to come to Canberra, both for business and, and for holidays. Mm. And so these things will work. Maybe the plane could connect through to Cairns as well, so we have a much more direct service to Cairns. Um, so domestic tourism is going to be a big thing. Our route development will be driven by leisure routes rather than yeah. by business routes, yeah. and, and that's part of what our job Totally is. fly to Cairns yeah. to make it happen. Yeah, make it easy to get to. Yeah. Um, where do you see the airport at the end of the year? Are you still sort of taking it as a week-by-week a week proposition or do you think we will have some sign of, um, you I, know? I, I think borders in Australia will open, um, if not in mid-October, certainly by the middle of November. Ultimately, though, I think we're going to still be at about 25% of capacity mm. in December and January and into next year. Um, I think for us to get above, you know, 30 40%, we will need business traffic to, to come back. Yeah. So it's going to be steady as she goes, but, but that's still going to be life and activity at the airport compared to what we've got now, and I think we'll just make the absolute very most of, of everything that will come mm. through the airport over the next couple of a while. I think the other thing that's interesting is that if you book a flight, if you book a ticket on an air 
aircraft to fly, say, to Brisbane, you'll be helping someone get their job back. Um, so in much the same way as we supported our local cafes and restaurants, one yeah. way to, to, to give jobs back to the aviation industry is to book a flight and, and have a trip. Um, not all of us can do lots of it, um, but where we can, I think that's very important too. Mm. I, for one, will be doing my bit. <laughs> good. Cairns, you'll sounds grab, really you'll, good. You'll help some people get back to work, Yeah, pilots. and. Um, Stephen, I just want to finish off by asking, how are you going to see um, the new year in? How are you going to end? Are you going to burn some sage or go to bed early? I mean, it really has been unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, I think we can... You know, we want to turn the page and pretend it's behind us. It's not really going to be behind us. Um, mm. And it will go on until we have a vaccine, whether that's the end of March or whether it's the end of June. But I think we can turn that page that we want to turn. I think we can turn it in the coming weeks. I actually think we can turn from it constricting our life and our economic activity and trying to shut us down to deciding to, to burn that sage as we come into spring as we enjoy the weather, as we keep sensible. And let's just put it behind us now. Why, why wait till New Year's Eve? I think I'm done with this year. I think we all are. <laughs> we're, let's we have absolutely. the ceremony on the 1st of November <laughs> when they run the Melbourne Cup. Let's, let's mentally put it behind us and help each other look forward to yeah. the summer holiday season. Will they run the Melbourne Cup, though? Oh, apparently, I think so, you know. Yeah, <laughs> anything. All right, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you right. so much. Thanks, Emma. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that this series was recorded on, the Ngunnawal people. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge their continuing culture and the contribution they make to the life of this city and region. The Canberrans is a collaboration between Her Canberra, Newcast, Lonsdale Street Studio and Salon Canberra.